Create for No Reason is your weekly dose of courage to stop making excuses and start bringing your ideas to life. Hey, hey, I hope you are doing awesome. What are you working on this week? What are you creating this week? That's a better question. What are you creating? What is one thing that you're most excited to create this week? That's what I want to hear from you. (laughs) So I'm excited about this episode I say that every time. I know, I know, I can't help it. I I mean it every time I say it too. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to Pamela Slim because I met her years ago. I don't even know how long it was, but I met her at a conference and I picked up her book after hearing her speak. And she's just a really cool person who is doing so much for entrepreneurs And she has a special place in my heart because she works with so many uh, local businesses, local communities to really help them grow and expand their, not only their businesses, but their communities and their network. And coming from a chamber of commerce background, that's really meaningful to me. And so I am so excited to get into her new book. She has a new book that came out, The Widest Net. And like I said, she's just really cool. Pam is an author, business coach. And the co-founder with her husband, Daryl, of the Main Street Learning Lab, which is in Arizona. Since 2005, she has advised thousands of entrepreneurs, as well as companies serving the small business market, such as Progressive Insurance, Constant Contact, and Prezi. She also partnered with the author, Susan Kane to build and launch the Quiet Revolution. Ooh, that's like a whole other topic. Pam has written three books, three books, Escape from Cubicle Nation, body of work. And then the latest book we're going to dive into, which is The Widest Net and all great titles, right? You just want to pick those books up and you do because they're amazing. She is frequently quoted as a business expert in press, such as the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Psychology Today. Please enjoy my interview with the wonderful Pamela Slim. Oh my gosh, Pam. I'm so excited. So good to see you. It's so good to see you. It's been so long. You've been working really hard on your new book that just came out, The Widest Net. It it's so pretty too. I love Thank you. Yeah. When you can for those that are looking and listening, you can see turquoise is a favorite color of mine. And so we have it all over here in the learning lab. And I did have a strong request for that color on the book cover. So I'm so happy <laughs> McGraw Hill complied. Well, it looks amazing. And I'm so excited for you because I think I read somewhere that it took quite a while for you to finish this book. Depending on how we do our math of working on it, it's been about a six year project. So yes, it has been it has been a while. But really, in terms of the active writing since getting the book deal that I work very well when I have a specific deadline and somebody to be accountable to. So that writing process was maybe six months or so to just put all the ideas into words. Oh, wow. Okay. Cause I know it was, it's a, it's, I mean, books, right. It's like you take everything that you've learned and then you have to sit down and actually create the thing that makes sense for everybody. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Okay. Before we get, before we talk about the book, I just have to share because 
I met you originally speaking at a conference and you're, I, I absolutely, I still remember the presentation. It was so moving. And you were talking about your husband and you were talking about before you started, I think it was before you actually started your learning lab. Yes, probably. Mm -hmm. And then I picked up Body of Work, which is your book. Can I just tell you, not only is this one of my favorite books, but I think today, over the past two years, I probably have recommended this book more often than any other book because of what's happening in the world and the working environment and people feeling people want to be entrepreneurs, but they don't, but they don't know what to do. And now it's this creator economy. And I feel like people are very struggling to kind of find who am I and what do I want to do with my life? And so I know that you wrote this so long ago, but I'm just curious to know from your perspective, do you still feel like people are so like resonate so much with this book? Yeah, a hundred percent. I'm so thankful. And it's, Sometimes I don't understand the creative process or the way the muse works <laughs> through through me or through others, but it's really interesting. And going back to my first book, Escape from Cubicle Nation, that I wrote in 2009, believe me, now that we have the great resignation, there's so many things that are interesting of noticing, even for a book that came out so long ago, it is still very present and resonant, I think, with people about some of the concepts of you know leaving corporate. And maybe because part of my intention when I am writing a book as opposed to writing blog posts or other pieces that can be timely within a particular time frame, the concept for body of work is something that I hope to be really timeless because part of why I wrote it is knowing that through the, the course of our life, we're going to have all these different stages that we go through either by choice or by force where we're, we're making decisions about what it is that we want to create. And really the intention in the book was to create a framework so that we can continually reinvent, refresh, and, and really grow, you know, with ourselves along the career. So I'm always really happy when people still find it, you know, to be relevant. It's just the best thing for an author. You know, you just make, make my heart very happy when I, and I appreciate the fact that you're referring it to people as well. So thank you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because I feel like you really, the, the subtitle finding the thread that ties your story together and what I really appreciate about the book, and I'm so grateful that you wrote it for everyone that needs to hear it, is I think, I don't know when I start, well, probably after I read this, but I ask certain people about their body of work and people look at me like I'm crazy. They look at me like, what, what are you talking about? Because to me, I... I love exploring so many different paths and so many different things, which is why your book spoke to me. And I think that I found that over the years, people don't seem to be thinking about it. They're just kind of, they go from job to job or they do these different things. But why do you feel like it's so important for people to have this idea of what is your entire body of work throughout your whole life, everything? I think because it it is a clear change from the way at this point that's really like my parents and grandparents were traditionally looking at careers that either people would be in very fixed uh, paths where you either choose to go a career track or being an entrepreneur there obviously weren't all of the different opportunities that we have just the myriad of things that you can do of working in 
and multiple projects at the same time. I, you know, I just noticed little things like the other day I was on TikTok, which I love. I, I totally enjoy watching TikTok. <laughs> and so <laughs> there was, you know, somebody talking about, hey, there's a remote from work opportunity where you can be a voiceover artist and you click here and you put in your info and you can start to work right away. And I just thought, you know, a number of years ago, not that far in the past, this would just be so weird. Even even yeah. things like Uber to be able to have people who just like turn on work and all of a sudden you know, are able to you know start working and get paid. So, so it really is where there are so many conditions I think that have led to the fact that it's easier for us to move among and between different work modes is the way I describe it in the book. Whether you're working you know, as an employee or as an entrepreneur, etc. But we often don't think through the, from the perspective of creation and really the fact that we're putting our energy and time into building things that make a difference and that shift in focus when it's not, I was this level position and I was making this amount of money and that's really where my value is, but rather what did I create? Like that's something that can really cross people maybe moving from corporate into entrepreneurship or like some of the clients I'm working with who are moving from entrepreneurship back to corporate. Yeah, which is, which that's what I think resonated with me the most is this idea where you even say in the book, people feel like, oh, I'm a failure if I, if I start a business and then go back to corporate. But what I loved about what you shared was no, because maybe you'll go back to starting a business in five years or 10 years or whoever, who knows, or maybe you'll stay where you are and you'll just do these creative projects, which to your point with TikTok and all of these opportunities, it's more, it's easier than ever to, hey, maybe you really love your job and you get to explore these creative passions just for the fun of it, just because you enjoy it, writing or dancing or whatever it is. And that's what gets me really excited because I think that so many people, a, a great life is so much easier and available to them than they think it is just yeah. by exploring their creativity. I have to ask because you say it, you said your muse. Do you have a creative practice? Do you believe in muses? We've talked about that on the sh on the show a couple hmm. times. So 100%. I, I'm one of these all, uh, all muse, all magic, uh, inclusive <laughs> people. I don't necessarily have like a specific worldview uh, around, you know, but around the, the, creative process or really thinking about, you know, who is, who is actually influencing, but I just have always, I was telling my, my daughter just yesterday from the time when I was really little, I would always like believe in the power of magic. I would climb up on the roof of, of my house. I lived in this, this old, old for Northern California, 1906 built house with kind of the roof falling apart. And I would climb up there as a little kid, lay on the roof and watch the stars and always kind of have this sense of magic. And so for me personally, it's really interesting. I've always felt the sense of connection and wonder. And unlike many people who I work with, have never really had an issue of finding a track and getting inspiration and understanding like what the next thing is. I have all kinds of other things in my life that I that I deal with, like all of us have a little different thing. But for me, I feel like I've just always been very attuned to what my inner voice is saying. And I think curiosity is a natural strength that I have. And so I've just always led naturally. One thing has led to the other. It's It's been the path for books of I write one, I begin to talk about it. I notice what happens in the world that then leads to the need to be sharing another one that's really based on, you know, escape 
helping people leave corporate to start a business, all of a sudden the entire space of entrepreneurship started to say, you're only cool and creative if you work for yourself. And that's where I was like, well, that's not true. We need a different way of looking at it because we're all self-employed ultimately, right? Even if you're an employee. Um, and so that's really, I think, where where it comes from. So for me, the, the keys that, that allow me to be in a zone of creativity are when I'm getting enough sleep, when I have time and connection with my family, it brings me great joy. Um, I have little rituals I do, like every morning when I come in my office here, I have a, a crystal. My husband, my husband's a Navajo medicine person, so sometimes he shares his medicine here. So I have a crystal that I put fresh water in the bowl. I light a candle. I turn on my um, little fountain. I have a little water fountain here. And then I have little twinkly lights over here on my wall with, uh, I drew like 12 cards from a really cool like Scottish Oracle deck uh, for like my, my words for the year. And so every morning I'll go and I'll read one. So I read a different one each day and then just cycle back to the beginning. So I have little things like that that tend to, you know, help my creativity. And as a Virgo, my space needs to be clean and organized. Mm. <laughs> All right. Yeah. You know, it's, I, I think, um, I feel like everybody, whether they know it or not, when it's clearer, I feel like it just gives itself some space for, I don't know, just, it gives, it just takes some weight off of it. I feel like every time I like clean my desk or do or get rid of things, there's just this cleansing that I love about that feeling. I like it too. I have learned that not everybody is driven that way. So for some people, they absolutely can create an environment that's not clean and organized. So it's all good. Whatever works for you. That is true. Yes. What? Yes. You got to do what works for you. And, and notice, notice what works for you. That's what I think is fun about the creative process too, is you can get people. That's what I love about asking people about their creative processes, because some people will say things I'm like, I tried that meditation in the morning or this or that, whatever it is, it didn't work. But as long as you give yourself the, the opportunity to do it and try it and see what happens, see what, if it does make any impact on your day and your life. So you wrote this book, The Widest Net. What inspired you to create it? What was, what was so important for you to, to get this message out into the world? Yeah, this did follow the same path of one book or one part of my body of work that leads to the other that is really aligned with the book that I, with the work that I do with my clients. So part of what I've been describing as I've been talking about this book is that I'm really an author practitioner and that I really think about what it is that I need to create in terms of frameworks or ideas based on the work that I'm doing with clients. So in doing work to help people really identify what is that core of their body of work, what is that next thing for them that, that I, I did a lot when body of work came out, when people really dial in and they say, I got it, I understand my business idea, I have, or I have my big world changing idea, this is what I want to build. The natural question is, I built it, now where are my customers? How do I build an audience? How do I build a community? And for me, part of the joy of this book is it actually goes back to my degree in college. My degree in college was international development with a focus on education as a tool of so non-formal education as a tool of social and economic change, actually in Latin America. So I lived in Mexico and Colombia in college. But basically, it was really looking at this framework of doing grassroots community development from the perspective of deeply understanding the wisdom that exists within communities already and really doing more work to help 
remove barriers that get in the way of people doing their best work. So I have been interested in this topic since I was 18 and now I'm 55 and I've done tons of work in different ways. When I lived in San Francisco in my in my 20s, I'm from the Bay Area originally. For 11 years, I was executive director of a capoeira group, a Afro-Brazilian martial art group. I did tons of community building in this very relational kind of ecosystem building as we built our youth program. I did lots of work in the Escape from Cubicle Nation days of building community online and starting in 2005 with my blog. So there was this whole new Narnian world of, of online where I got to leverage it. And then when my husband and I opened this learning lab five years ago, I really, when I had then a more definite understanding about what really were the steps that I was using in order to build communities in a really relational and inclusive way, we used every single one of those principles in order to build the community here. And I'm just so, I, I do get really like proud and excited and like glowy and jumping out of my chair because, you know, when you have a hypothesis that something is going to work and it, it is counterintuitive and it doesn't, everybody doesn't get it, but in practicing it just the way that we wanted to do it, it has been amazing to see the kind of engagement that we've mm -hmm. had. So there's just a lot of joy related to that of like really big conceptual ideas over decades. And then very pragmatically, I, I get like a bee in my bonnet as a coach. If I have clients that are trying to do something and they are having a hard time doing it, it just like, I can't rest until I figure out how to help them. And so mm -hmm. that's the part of just making sure that there are things that are very pragmatic. There's a method so that people don't have to struggle. I love that you, your writing is very easy to read and you give very practical advice, things that seem very doable. And I love the stories. You share a lot of stories from the people that you've worked with that is hmm. helpful because like you were saying, like you get to share it, but it's not theory. It's not like, oh, this should work. I think we read, there's a lot out there that you can read that kind of 10 steps to do this. And it just seems very, yeah, we've heard it all before, but when you put that storytelling behind it, it really makes that more powerful the way that you kind of communicate it. I love the fact that this book is for entrepreneurs and for business owners, but also I was thinking about it from a perspective of a creator. Like creators need all of this as well. They want to be found. They want to attract their right audience. They want, I mean, that's what we're looking for, right? Like to gain people's attention, like those right people. So you work with a lot of entrepreneurs and have over the years. What do you feel like is the biggest challenge that, that you see? I mean, a lot of them are talked about in this book, but like, what's hmm. like the number one that you see? The number one, I think is when people enter into the, the problem, they are completely overwhelmed with a number of options and methods and possibilities of ways that they're told that they can grow their community or grow their business. For those folks, I think like us, where a lot of our life we spend online or that's a place in which we look for information or even for people that might get a lot of information from books, like the volume of courses and books and frameworks and experts that are coming out are just exponential. And with the rise of so many different types of social media, for example, people just think, oh my God, like, where do I start? I have no idea even where to begin. And there's no frame of reference 
to know, for example, of maybe a method that they've seen somebody else take, if it really would be something that would work for them. Like there's a lot of people, and I totally understand why it happens, where they might just be saying, just give me the blueprint, right? Just give me the 10 steps. Gosh, 10 steps are great sometimes. <laughs> it's really helpful to have that. I have a few, you know, 10 steps in the book. But the problem is if we're just saying XYZ internet person that grew their business, you know, just do exactly what I do. And first of all, do you share a lived experience with that person? Are you starting in the same place in terms of your skills and talents? You know, do you have the same opportunity? Do you have the same skills or values? That's where I think a lot of people go awry. So, um, normally what it is that I hear from most people. And it, it also is the case inside companies because there's a lot of use cases and some of the work that I'm doing um, around the concepts in the book that can even be for a bigger company that's like, gosh, we know we really wanna go into this market, but we have no familiarity with it. How do we even begin to understand? And so that really is that first point in which I tried to have actually some steps in order to organize that and figure it out. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so funny because we live in a society where I think we've really glamorized complexity when really simplicity is what we need most often. <laughs> so when you can read a book like this and you're like, oh, I, here's the map. This is what I need to do. Don't you think people are impatient though? Like when it comes to seeing results in some of this stuff? I, I think so. And and it, it's really interesting because when you begin to look at the method and just conceptually for people not familiar with the book, it the, the core idea of the book is when we're thinking about building a community or marketing a business, historically, we've been taught a lot about building an empire. So we're centering ourselves, we're trying to pull everybody into our own business. And very often in that model, we're positioning ourselves as the unique expert that is able to solve the problems that somebody has. And some people are super successful at doing that and get really excited by it. A lot of other people are not comfortable in that model where you can just have a lot of, you know, centering yourself and just constantly be trying to pull more people in. In the core idea in the widest net is that you have some clarity to define who your ideal client or customer is. And we know some people, some businesses might serve a couple different audience segments. And actually each segment is going to have a little different ecosystem around them. But as you take a core example of an ideal client and really that problem that you're helping them to solve. So for me, it's often a really amazing world changing entrepreneur wants to create more impact or to scale their business. And they're just like, full with what they can personally do. Their schedule is packed. They can't deliver any more <laughs> keynote speeches or workshops. And so they need to find a way you know, to solve that problem. If you look at that as a definition of an ideal client in the ecosystem that surrounds them, and in the book, there are 10 different components, uh, segments of the ecosystem wheel. There are places in person and online where they are looking for answers to their problems. They're probably listening to different podcasts, maybe yours. They are reading books, they're following influencers, they're taking courses, they are using products to run their business. There's a whole bunch of different, they might be working with service providers, uh, CPAs and graphic designers and copywriters, coaches. So people already are connected to this natural ecosystem uh, around them to help solve their problem. And so your job in that case is to be connecting to them in what I call watering holes, places in person or online where somebody else has already built an audience. So conceptually, it can really make sense. 
operationally, if you look at some of the nuance of doing that effectively, there actually is a quite a bit of strategic work that you do to narrow down the list of possibilities, right? So you might say, and you know, the the title of the widest net was, of course, can be a little bit provoking for some people in a good way where they're like, wait a minute, aren't we supposed to have a niche? Aren't we supposed to just narrow everything down? To which I always say, absolutely, that is a good thing to do once you have opened up first and understood the totality of the market. And then you can use some criteria to actually narrow down, you know, and get it done. So it is in the actual practice of how it is that you implement a strategy, you're exactly right in that I tried to break down each step of it in a very straightforward and clear way. That's always been just a, I think just a, a way that I've always been known in the work that I did, even in my corporate consulting, there'd be all these like super fancy big five consulting companies that were doing all these really fancy spreadsheets. And I'd be like, um, are we just doing a reorganization here? Like maybe we should just talk to the employees a little bit about it, you know, <laughs> like just taking something very complex and making it simple. So each step I think is really simple and straightforward, but probably the biggest thing for us as humans and business owners is once we understand something conceptually, how are we moving it into our daily habits and our daily operations. And that I think is the, is the part where things get a little bit, a little bit more deep. Yeah. As you're, as you're talking, I'm thinking about, I mean, one of the things that I think about when I think about your work is collaboration because you are, you're a community builder. I mean, this is what you do. And I think that's just your nature, which is probably why I'm drawn to you because my background is in chamber of commerce and the CRA. And so I've always been in those spaces. And so I under, like my brain just works that way. But as you're talking about this ecosystem for somebody listening, whether they're a creator and they're you know doing art or they are a business owner, what do you think is a good activity or exercise they can do right now to kind of discover where they are in that process of building their ecosystem? I think the first step is just discovering the, the ecosystem that surrounds our ideal clients, because part of the premise is that, yes, we can do specific things in order to connect people with each other. But in the case, for me, when I look at my, my clients that I work with, and I'm so lucky I get to work with amazing people, I'm more discovering, I'm deeply listening to who are the other amazing people and programs and connections that they are listening to so that I can begin to organize that and make connections and get to know those other partners in order to attract more people who are fitting the profile of my ideal client. So for somebody who is an artist or a creator, and you're really trying to say like of all the places where I could be spending my time connecting or of all the places where I should show up and, and, you know, do an, an open house night for my art, where would be the best place? I always start with talking to somebody who is already an ideal client and asking them some really basic questions, you know, who, who is one of your favorite service providers that you work with? And by service provider, I mean, you know, for somebody in business, your favorite accountant, your favorite IP attorney, your favorite graphic designer. If somebody had, our son, older son is an artist. So for, for collectors, you know, he might go to somebody who's been a collector of different pieces of his art throughout the years and say, who are some of the other artists, you know, that you're connected to? Are there favorite galleries that you have, you know, across the country in which you really find interesting art? Do you, do you, have any favorite like media hubs, publications or podcasts or, you know, 
video channels that, that talk about interesting art that's of interest to you and what are those? Those are immediate places. Every time you ask that question of people who are already ideal clients, you begin to see it's like slowly things come into focus and you can begin to identify places that would also be good places for you to go. Because if that ideal client, if the premise is that a collector is not only going to be collecting one person's art, I mean, maybe a, you know, a, a, somebody who's a super fan would, but most collectors like to have this interesting mix of artists. And so they're going different places than they're going to connect with that own, with that one artist. And that's always the place that I say, you know, I either have call up, you know, your favorites and just ask the questions and track them. If you do happen to have a mailing list, you can send out a really short survey and just ask a couple basic questions. And it, it's like a, a nested, uh, doll, like one of those Russian dolls where you just start to take pieces out and one leads to the other because once you might find an interesting gallery in New York that tends to feature, you know, my son is Navajo, so indigenous artists or something, then you find that and you're like, oh my gosh, and here are these other artists and they're these interesting collectors and they belong to this association. Like even just following one thread begins to to lead you to other interesting places. And so it, it is a process of of like, doing little batches of work at a time. You begin to discover, you get some interesting ideas, you prioritize where would be places to begin to expand, make those connections, and then maybe move on to the next batch. It's like a whole series of just regular seeding, which I call tiny marketing actions, that when you look back then over the course of, a, of 12 months, you can actually end up connecting in a whole bunch of places that you normally wouldn't have. Mm, yes. Oh, I love that. I love it. It's almost like this. Um, it's noticing more. It's taking some time to just be present and notice the things that are being talked about and said and, and you're experiencing. You've written three books. And I saw that you had written a blog post about writing, encouraging people. Well, you it was basically like, should you write this book? So I would love for you to share I mean, do you believe that everyone has a book inside of them? I believe everybody has stories inside of them, 100%. Making the choice to write a book is a fantastic choice if you feel personally driven to do that, because there are really unique ways in which books can move in the world. And one of just the magical mysteries about books is they can get in the hands of people who you just never imagined would find them. And then you hear these amazing stories where somebody emails you. One of my favorites in my first book, Escape from Cubicle Nation, my friend um, Andy, Andy Kwan, who lives in Paris, found that book in a garbage can in Paris. <laughs> so that's how he first, he grabbed it oh out of the trash God. can. <laughs> he, I don't know if that's a good or bad sign for my book, but he grabbed <laughs> it out of the trash can. He read it, connected with me on Facebook and right. And then now we've been friends for a really long time. And uh, you know, who, however would I have made that connection with him before? So there's beautiful things books can do to bring a book out into the world, it's almost like, should everybody build their own yurt or something, right? Like the, <laughs> the things that are involved in building a yurt can involve like, there's time, there's resource. Do you have any building skills? Do you know how to do it? Like, it's a thing. I don't believe, and I do get a little bit in my feelings about having the process of just saying, just 
throw a bunch of ideas on a page and just get a book out in two days. Because mainly the reason I get in my feelings is a lot of people who I've talked to have had that experience um, end up not really feeling that great about what they've written. I just mm. don't think it's possible to pull out and write a book in two days. I mean, I'm sure somebody will contradict me and there's like a best-selling book that was amazing structure. So it, I'm not saying it can never happen, but really when you're beginning to lean in the process of, of creating the complex structure sometimes of a book and working stories and working on it, it just is something that needs lots of time and attention. And so that's the part when, whenever somebody might come to me and say, you know, I, I really want to write a book, I'm, I'm going to be always encouraging and then really dig deeper and understand why. What is it about, about that that is really of interest to you? And if it's simply something like, well, I just need a book so that I appear to have authority. Oh, it'll just be something that's business building. That's fine. You can make some certain decisions about that, but it's going to be a very different path than if you're choosing to write a book where you want to have it maybe that is enduring over you know a period of time or a very powerful reason to write a book is memoir and there are people who have an amazing story that is going to be healing for them to write and healing for other people to read so just knowing the motivation behind it is really important but maybe the little bit more grisly grizzled uh, business coach, the former martial artist who believes in like putting in your thousands of sit-ups and push-ups, you know, in order to like gain a skill in me says that it is, it is an experience and a sacred honor to do that work and you want to do justice to your idea and to the book itself. So if you're going to do it, I don't know why building a yurt is the metaphor of the day for this podcast. <laughs> Maybe I'll, that will be my metaphor moving forward. But like, it's not a small thing. And it's like building a yurt in the snow, uh, you know, in the in when, when in a river, you know, in a moat around it. Like there are times about it where it is super, super difficult to do. So you just kind of got to be prepared for the experience. Yeah. And um, yes, yeah, I'm sure someone will. Uh, will disagree. But as you were saying that, I'm thinking, even if somebody did write a perennial seller in a couple of days, it would probably have to be someone who writes every day as a practice, like they were someone that had put in all of the work. It's not someone that just decided one day, hey, I'm going to write this book and I've never written before. That probably wouldn't happen. That's right. And it, because it, first of all, you do exactly what you want to do. Anybody listening, never let anybody, including me, tell you that you can't do something that you want to do. That is your sacred and divine right. And you always have agency to do it. So that fundamentally is really important because there's a lot of classism and racism and sexism and all, all kinds of, of things that are constantly telling people what they can or can't do according to a standard and a criteria that might be a very elite kind of traditional publishing realm. So I'm not really talking about that component. It's more about the creative component of if you're if you're wanting to do something well and you're really wanting to put attention and thought into it, it is something that is going to take more time and energy to really, you know, zero in and, and settle in on it. But there are a lot of forms of books or useful ways in which people can get something between pages that won't necessarily take 
six or seven years like I do per book. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. Please <laughs> don't put yourself through that. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know what's cool though of um, if somebody were to decide, hey, I'm going to write this book in two days, which again, they could totally do. What I think is interesting about it is you would learn a lot. You would learn a lot creating a book in two days, right? If Because if you were going to do it, anybody right now with everything we have access to, you could write the book, you could get it up on Amazon, you could sell it, all of those things. But you're going to notice how does it feel? Was it your best work? Are you getting good feedback? What was the process like? And maybe it would inspire you to go back in, during the creative process, do it differently, create a different book and get better and better and better. So I feel like, I mean, that's kind of the whole point of the podcast, right? Create for no reason. It's like, whatever you decide to create, you're going to learn something, yes. whatever it comes from. And uh, which I think is a beautiful, which I think is a beautiful practice, just that the creative practice of it all. How do you feel? Because, you know, entrepreneurs, we have to be creative. Like you have to be creative in, in the work that you do and, and how you communicate with people and how you reach out, how you decide to collaborate, how do you decide to take all of these uh, these tips from the widest net and actually execute them in your unique way. Yeah. So how do you encourage people to build their creativity muscle? Uh, everything is really through prototyping and testing and trying. That that to me is the art part of the work that I do. So even though my my canvas is is business, if you will, just people that are creating things in their business. I, I really like and relate to a lot of the methodologies around design thinking, around lean startup, where as soon as possible, as you start to sketch out the different components of what you're working on, you build, you model, you test, you tweak. And to me, that's, that's really a part of the creative process, letting yourself experiment and feel what it like, you know, what, what it's like, the, the risk and the uncertainty and the doubt in bringing ideas out into the world. Before I, uh, this was about, let's see, 2015, so whatever that is, six years ago or something, um, as the early testing for the model of this book, I went on a 23 city tour, testing out this particular model that I used in the book before I wrote the book. I called it my unbook tour. Uh, with a little wink to my friend Scott Stratton mm. from Unmarketing. And the idea was that felt actually quite vulnerable is before I really go down the path of writing the whole thing, let me really see. And these are places where I had been before on prior book tours. And I always like self organize and fund my own book tours, um, usually teaching like a little workshop in places that I go. But that to me was an experiment. It was part of that creative process of just saying, let me bring this out as quickly as possible into the you know the eyes ears and hands and hearts of people who can react to it and it was super important to get feedback both on areas that really resonated areas that were confusing to people and then actually the, the central idea for the book the ecosystem wheel came out as a response to me answering a question actually in the second workshop that i did on the 23 city tour in nancy duarte's um, space at duarte in, in silicon valley and i was just answering a question somebody asked a question i had the flip chart and i just drew this model and it was like as soon as i did it and everybody was like oh my gosh i totally understand it and that's when i just had this huge epiphany that ended up being the central idea so it is rare 
that I've experienced creativity personally as a creator, or I see my clients do it, if they're just stuck in their head forever, and they don't actually bring it out in whatever form your art is, if it's music or visual arts or photography or whatever. And, you know, there's a reason we don't, because it's scary. Yes. Oh, I love this answer so much. Thank you so much for sharing that because yes, it's getting it out into the world. It's putting it out and you're right. It is really scary. It's really scary. In fact, I started getting interested in poetry a couple of years ago and I thought I am never sharing this. Are you kidding me? No way. And then I started sharing it because why not? And it has been such a fun experience because I've met really beautiful poets. I took a poetry workshop. I started getting into that poetry world, but some of those people never would have found me had I not been vulnerable enough to share my work. So that is amazing. I just love that. I always ask my guests to share something that the audience can do 10 minutes or less that can mm-hmm. just enhance their creativity. What's something someone can do right now when they, when they stop listening to this? I actually think I, I'll lean toward maybe changing up a little bit, uh, a core practice that you have. So taking a different route, if you happen to go into the office, I drive into the learning lab from, from home. I know a lot of people are working from home now, but to do something slightly different than you normally do. So if you're always going to the same coffee shop and you know everybody and you love it and they totally get you in your drink, go somewhere new and totally different just to like open yourself up to noticing that experience or take a different route home or go to a totally different restaurant, try something that's new. That experience of changing up what you normally have, where in one hand habits are extremely helpful and can develop this rhythm and pattern that we want in order to be opening up these new avenues of creativity. It's part of why, you know, I love to travel and help us all that hopefully we can, we can get back to it. But even just like going to a new city, one of the favorite things that I like to do is just to wander and just walk around and notice what's happening because it is something new that's activating that part of our brain. That's probably my favorite thing to do. Ah. Beautiful, beautiful. Pam, who needs to read this book? Who needs to get a copy of The Widest Net today? (laughs) I'd say if you are somebody who is really passionate about your thing, so if your thing is your own art, your creativity, or you're a business owner, or you're somebody who has a very strong mission, so maybe you're more of a movement maker kind of a person, and you want a strong, clear, sustainable way to begin to build in community building, audience building, getting a steady flow of, you know, clients and customers. This is really the book for you. It, it is, it's something that, um, like, like my other books, I tried to write it where any chapter that you pick up, you might have a burning question about, you know, tiny marketing actions and seeding or sales or partnerships. So I tried to write it where the way that people actually read books, which is sometimes jumping from one chapter to another. (laughs) So if you do that, that's great. If you get some value, but if you can do a read through, and I did try to write it so that it was accessible and you can read it pretty quickly, get a sense of the overall picture of it. And then after, if you do find areas where you want to zero in and begin to implement it, I do have on my site at PamelaSlim.com forward slash the widest net. 
a free download. You don't have to trade your email or anything where I have a PDF that has all of the exercises from the book. So what a lot of people have said that they're doing is reading it first to get a sense of how all the ideas tie together or listen to it. I also have an audible uh, version of it. And then you can go back and maybe zero in on actually doing the Im implementing the exercises themselves. Awesome. And they should still sign up for your emails just to get those in their inbox. <laughs> I would love it. Always happy to have people join my newsletter family. I've been actually writing it since 2004, believe it oh or not. So I have people, some who have been with me from that beginning, and I still love it. I love to write it and love to feature my amazing clients in it. So I appreciate all of the folks who are subscribed. That is so cool. And it's really fun to watch you in your journey. Honestly, I just feel like the work that you do is so amazing. I love what you're doing over at the Learning Lab and, and helping, you're just helping so many entrepreneurs and creatives, all the people in the community, like everyone. And I feel like you are inspiring them with your work. And so I encourage people, get the widest net, get body of work as well, because truly that book made such an impact in my life. I still talk about it. And when did you, when was this published? 2014. I mean, 2014, and it still rings true. Um, I just gave it to one of my, uh, my musician friends and uh, he, it's just really helping him right now because he's going through a lot of stuff. And so you help so many people. And so I'm excited to finish The Widest Net. Everyone get a copy. Pam, keep doing the work you're doing. It's so, so fun to see you. I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for your support and enthusiasm and then for reading it. That's, that's why we write. That's why we go through the pain of writing. <laughs> Those of you who have written, it is so deeply nourishing to know that ideas are in action. So I really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. As you can tell, I'm a fan of Pamela Slims. I hope you are too. I hope you got some value out of this episode. I hope that it inspired you in some way to continue to do your work, to do great work, to break out of your comfort zone a little bit, to create, to share. I love when she talked about sharing your work. You have to share your work in order to get feedback. And if you... If you are a business owner, if you are a creative, if you want to be in front of more people, if you want to build community, if you want to find the right collaborators, definitely check out The Widest Net. And I love this subtitle, Unlock Untapped Markets and Discover New Customers Right in Front of You. She basically lays out the roadmap to make that happen. So check out the book, check out Body of Work as well, especially if you're in a transition period of kind of not knowing where you want to go next or what your next move might be. So I, I hope that some of, the, some of these books will support you in your efforts. And of course, that is what we're here for. Thank you, as always, so much for listening to this episode. I am really enjoying doing the show and I so appreciate hearing from you. Thank you to those who have written a review. If you haven't written a review and you like the show, I would love for you to share a comment and rate it. You know, five stars would be great, but hey, <laughs> hey, if you've listened this long, hopefully you're, you're liking the show. But I would love to hear your feedback. And also connect with me over on Instagram if we're not yet connected. And let me know of, of what you liked about the episode. Let me know if you actually take action on what our guests say, right? Like today, Pamela shared the activity for today is to do something different. Do something different. Take a different route to work. Go to a different coffee shop. Maybe write. 
you don't write if you've never written. Maybe you write a story, write a blog post, write a poem, whatever the case. Do something that gets you out of your comfort zone a little bit. All right. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day, evening, whatever time it is for you. And until next time, go create something.